in this series called Go Beyond. And the go beyond, uh, it's a go beyond in our faith. Last week we talked about go beyond in our impact. We're on this relocation journey. So part of the message is, is being applied to that. So if you're a guest here this morning, we're not asking you for anything. Uh, we just want you to hear the heartbeat of this church. We love that you're here. Love for you to be here the next couple weeks. And then on December 15th and December 22nd, we're going to talk about how to prepare for Christmas, the chaos of Christmas, how to negotiate that. And then on Christmas Eve at three and five, we have awesome Christmas Eve services. We'd love to invite you to that. And so, but this morning we're going to talk about a faith that goes beyond. We're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, the scripture is going to be up on the screens here. But God has opened to us this incredible door of opportunity, a strategic door of opportunity, an unbelievable uh, acreage there and setting that we have. So I just want to talk about that for a few minutes. And uh, here's a picture of it on the screen here. So I'm going to come over here. So this is it here. This is in Yucaipa. This is Wildwood Canyon right down here. And then the freeway is just down here about 500 yards. So that's it right there. It's got a building, about 20,000 square feet, and it's got, um, it's got parking. It's kind of a bit of a mess now. It needs to be cleaned up a bit. So this is taken off Google Maps. But um, this is a place where we're going to have like a plaza right out there. We're going to have a baptism area right out there. We're going to have basketball courts and volleyball courts for kids. We're going to have great secure spaces for uh, children. Uh, we're going to have great spaces for young adults and men and women. And uh, an, an auditorium, probably about twice the size of this, seat about 600 people. And so, uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit too. But this can only happen by God's hand and God's provision. So we're super pumped up about it. Like Andrew said, it's been about 10 years. Uh, we've been looking. We've been homeless. And so we've heard many of the only God could do that stories already here. There's been stories even last week. So the stories have blessed me. People coming up and saying they're going to donate their, their um, things like uh, baked goods and give all the money to the, to the uh, go beyond. People donating jewelry and things like that. Uh, there were kids doing a lemonade stand. We're going to show that later. And so just some really cool things that are happening here. And so if you have your outlines, if you could pull those out here, pull out your outlines, we're going to talk about a faith that goes beyond. But I want to begin with this question. I want to begin with this question. The question is this. What is it, if you think about it, what is it, the one thing that will please God? What is the one thing that pleases God? And so some people think that, well, it must be rules or religion. Uh, it must be that I have to have like this amazing like prayer life. And uh, like if this was me here, like I got to have this prayer life. Like I got to be really serious about this prayer life. I've got to kneel. Maybe I've got to have my prayer rug. Maybe I've got to pray really hard. I've got I've to look religious. I've got to act religious here. And so, and if I do this, God's going to say, yeah, you're on my A-team, on my A-team rod. You're, you're in. Maybe other people think like, well, it's more about rules and rituals, and it's about, uh, it's about having this focus, and there's things I'm going to focus on all the things I should do, and then there's the things that I shouldn't do, and if I get really, if I get really serious about it, if I get really serious about doing this, about doing what I should do, and thumbs down to what I shouldn't do, God's going to go, yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased with you, Rod. It looks serious there, buddy. And so, and then there's others. Well, well no, that's, uh, the Bible says that's not how you please God. That's not how you please God. 
And then there's others think, well, maybe I just have to be this person that I'm supposed to be and put on this, you know, this um, front, this image of this person I'm supposed to be. And maybe I'm supposed to be happy and joyful and before God. And, and, uh, and then maybe God will be pleased with that if I'm this, this really happy person. Well, the Bible says, you know, that's, that doesn't please God either. There's only one thing that pleases God, and it's an irreducible minimum. And the one thing is faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, on your notes there, without this one thing, faith, faith alone is how you please God. So this morning I'm going to talk about faith that goes beyond here. And so in other words, it's been clearly spelled out here, the kind of life that is pleasing to God is not a life of amazing accomplishments. It's not a life of rules and rituals there. It's not a life of religiosity. It's not a life of great accomplishments. It is a life of faith. And so how is it then, how is it then that we can live a life of faith? Well, this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about I've got three points for you, take-home points for how you can live a life of faith here. And so, but what is faith? Faith really is trusting God. Faith, then, is believing God when you don't see it, like we sang about. It's, it's believing God when you don't feel it. Faith, then, is obeying God when you don't even understand it, but you're trusting God there. And so we're going to talk about this and apply it in our context a bit to our moving to a new property. So Numbers chapter 13, here's the context. Going to be reading in verse 28. Here's the context. The children of Israel now are out of Egyptian bondage. They've been slaves there. They've been making uh, bricks out of mud for forever here. And finally, they're released now. God has done a miracle. uh, And Pharaoh has done a miracle of the 10 plagues. He's parted the Red Sea. He's done all of these things. Finally, they're on the edge then of the promised land that God was giving them the land. God is giving them the land. And all they had to do was possess the land. But Moses was thinking, well, I want to find out about the land. Uh, what kind of buildings, what kind of cities are they walled, are they not walled? What kind of fruit is in the land? What is, the, what is the ground like? Is it fertile? I want to do a little, get a little information here. And so what he does then is he, he has some people there test drive the land. So there's the 10 spies there and Joshua and Caleb. They go in and they test drive the land and they come back with a report here. And so here's the report. They're saying, man, that's a land flowing with milk and honey, which means it's just like really fertile. It's amazing. There were people carrying grapes there, and the grapes are so big they take like a pole with two men to, to carry the grapes. It's just unbelievable, amazing what it was there, the, but they were going to face obstacles. And so here's what it says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 28. But the people who live there, here's the report, are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. And we even saw the descendants of Anak there. They were like giants there. And so God gave them the land, but then they were going to bump up against their fears of entering to the land. They were going to bump up against obstacles there, challenges before they could enter into the land there. And so Caleb then is going to speak and say, hey, at a pivotal point here, you need to take the land. So there's Moses and Joshua and Caleb. And they're going to make this impassioned plea to the people to take the land because they realize they're at this pivotal point right there, right there to take the land. And so they're at this pivotal point in their history. And I just want to say this, that we as a people, as a church family, 
we are also at a pivotal point in our history. That there is a land that we're going to be able to take. But sometimes you bump up against challenges and fears and giants. But I'm telling you, and I'm convinced to my core, that God is giving us the land here. And so it's extraordinary. It's an exciting era here, an opportunity that God is giving sanctuary. Because God has kept blessing this church, and we have an opportunity to relocate so that we can have greater impact in our, in our city here in the Illinois Empire. So we can really have exponential impact. And so I'm going to be talking about that a little bit here. But again, here's the children of Israel, and they're knocking at the door of opportunity for this new land that God was wanting to give them. And so, but they have a giant in the land, Anak there. And so when they get freaked out and they get intimidated, I'm going to talk about all the things that can happen when God presents an opportunity here. But this was a time like never before. Just like for us, it is a time like never before. And so there are three lessons here, three takeaways, so you can take the land. Three takeaways so you can take advantage of your opportunity as a Christ follower, and in a, in a corporate sense, three opportunities for us to be able to take the land here. And so number one point is this in your notes. Number one point is this. Is it faith that goes beyond, focuses not on the obstacles, but focus on the, the vision instead of the obstacles. So with victory, think about this. Imagine this. Victory was right there. They're right on the threshold of taking the land, but then they go into the land there, and they see that there are obstacles. And what do they do? They begin to focus, hyper-focus, and get consumed with the giants, and that there's fortified cities, and that there's a, Anak is there. And so and they're looking at the challenges and the problems until they don't end up taking the land there. Their hearts get gripped by faith. And so pivotal point here, verse 30, Caleb speaks up. He realizes it's a critical point. And so watch how he speaks, lifts his voice with this confident expectation at their critical point. And Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possessions of the land. And I love this. He says, for certainly we can do it. In another translation, it reads, let's go at once. There's an urgency there. Let's go at once and take the land. So what I want us to see is this. Caleb here has a go beyond faith. That's the kind of faith I think that God would, is challenging us to have. See, people with go beyond faith, they focus not just on the obstacles, they focus on the vision, the promise of God before them. So I want to unpack that a little bit because Caleb says, hey, we can certainly do this. We can certainly do this. And he recognizes there's all these ites in the land the Jebusites and the Hittites, the Moabites and the Canaanites and the other ites there. But he, they don't focus. He says, look, don't focus on the ites. Yes, there's giants in the land, but don't focus on the giants in the land. He says, we need to go right now because we are able, because God has given us the land here. And so, friends, when we talk about a life of faith, when we talk about faith that goes beyond in your personal life, I just want to urge you and make this a clear reality that you are going to face challenges and you're going to face obstacles and you're going to face 
giant, all kinds of things in the land there, but God is promising you the land. And I'm going to unpack that in just a moment. And so Caleb says, we can certainly do it. We can do it. Not that it's going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be a faith walk, but we can do it. So I want to talk about for a couple moments here the property that, that I believe that God has given us. Because the giant in the land is that it's a couple million dollars to do that. But I want to give us some perspective about that. Because in a time when people um, are cynical about churches, in a time when people don't understand who God is and who Jesus is, we really have a dream of what we could be and what we are. And I want to just talk about that because I'm just dreaming of a church there that has a movement. It's not, it's not just a building, but a movement. A movement that begins with students, a movement of young adults here who are willing to sacrifice. Young adults who are abandoning it all for the call of the sake of Christ upon their life who are unashamed, and who are willing to let God transform them, that they can transform the world. I'm dreaming of that. I'm dreaming of a church that's more than a building, but it's a movement where God works within that place, and a place where organized outreaches happen, like are happening today. Of about 50 people that are going to the hood, going to San Bernardino, but we want to do more of that. Some of you thought that was funny, huh, the hood? <laughs> I grew up in the hood. I grew up, I'm not joking. I grew up as a kid in the hood. And so it's personal for me where we're going. So, uh, but we're going to, I see a church that will have well-organized outreaches. And so where we're reaching out to the forgotten of the city, where we're going to reach out to those that are in jail, those that are locked up. We're working on that right now. I dream of a church here that will do things like adopt a grandparent. We're going to do here next month. We're going to adopt a grandparent. That we're going after the disenfranchised and the marginalized and the forgotten. And we're reaching out. And so a new, do we need a building to do that? Well, we need a, a headquarters. We need a launching point so we can do more of what God is calling us to do here. And so I see a church where the skeptic, the agnostic, and the person that has fears about God and questions about God, and the atheist can come and recognize it, that God is real and that, that they matter to God. So we're going to be able to do that. And life change will happen, which will go on to eternity. The church that I see is not a church which plays it safe. It's not a church which uh, entertains people. It's a Christ-centered and gospel-centered, Bible-centered church here that is a training center. It is a trauma center. It is a place where uh, those that are far from God, those that are broken people, can come and hear about him, about the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. We're victims of violence and victims of abuse, and broken people can come and experience a redemptive community a redemptive community that has a permanent presence in the community. I've mentioned to you that there's going to be a freeway access there. So there's going to be hundreds and thousands of people are going to drive by Sanctuary Church in the future here. I dream of a church, and I see a church that creates opportunities for people to experience God, experience who He is, experience all that He has done. And so... And where all are welcome, and where the curious and the convinced are there together worshiping. The church that I see is a church that, that uh, will do everything it can to help people realize their potential as Christ followers. 
You might call that discipleship. The church that I see is going is to allow the word of Christ to dwell richly and to bring life transformation here. And where people will come and actually experience transformative moments in worship like we did this morning. And so when we were singing, when we were singing this morning, he's a way maker and he's a miracle worker. And he brings light in the darkest. That was transformative for some of us this morning here. And so I dream of a church that's going to send doctors and dentists and, and healthcare providers and nurses and teachers and construction workers to places, and that is you sitting in the seats, and to send you across the border and around the world to bring a cup of cold water in the gospel in Jesus' name. We need a place to do that. I dream of a church that is diverse that is diverse, that has a Toby from Nigeria and Taps from Zimbabwe and other people there. And so that is diverse, that reflects the diversity of heaven. That's the church that I dream of. I dream of a church uh, where marriages are restored on a regular basis and is happening through re-engage. I dream of a church where you can make friends and you can have fun and you can grow in your faith. <laughs> I dream of a church that just keeps it simple. Jesus, the Bible, and people. This is the kind of church that I dream of. And so we can move forward over the next 20 years. God has given us the land. And the vision is not the building. The vision is what God is going to do through the people that occupy the building. But we still need a building. And so we're going to move forward with this. And so, but in moving forward, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be giants in the land. We have a giant we need to raise a couple of million dollars. But I want us to give us some perspective on that. Because even though we recognize this, we know that this is going to be true here. The second lesson is this. The second lesson is this. It says, Faith that goes beyond our fears, okay, goes beyond, it faces our fears instead of running from them. It faces our fears instead of running from them. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with the children of Israel having apprehension. I mean, I, we probably would have been scared too. There's like Shaq O'Neal giants in the land, like whoever your big person is. Andre the Giant, you know, or whoever it is. But there are those giants in this land here that were real. And they must have been thinking, man, what if we lose the battle? What if we go up against these giants and, like, they win? And who's going to take care of our kids? And what about our, our leader, too, Moses? That guy's a little bit different. I mean, Moses there, God had to really, like, twist his arm to, to, to do this thing. And I think he killed somebody in battle. And what, what about our leader here? Is he going to be able to lead us to the promised land? And here's what happened. Here's what happened. Is that fear decided their future for them. And you can live a life that's dominated by fear, and fear can decide your future rather than God's promise, rather than God's plan for your life. And so never let fear decide your future. But this is exactly what happened. Is that fear decided their future here? Uh, we face challenges, but the point is this, not to shrink back. Remember Caleb said, you want to have, we want to have that overcoming, uh, go beyond faith like Caleb that said, hey, we can overcome. And so I'm saying, we need to rise up as a people to overcome and to take the land here. And so 
As Caleb said, I'm telling you, we are more than capable to do it. I'm telling you that today. We are more than capable, and we will do it here. And so, but watch what happens. You have the 10 spies, and you have the Caleb and Joshua, and they're processing the same information. But here's the problem. For Joshua and Caleb, God is at the center of the information. But for the spies full of doubt, God was not at the center of the information. And when we process life, we get all the information, and that's how we're wired up. And, but is God at the center of the information? As you're making decisions, as you're moving forward. So they were looking at the giants. They're looking at the obstacles, but they're not looking at God. They're hyper-focused on the giants there rather than looking at God. And so, and then fear overtakes them. And I want us to see what happened when fear overtakes us. Verse 32 on the screens. Look at this. It says, and they spread among the Israelites, the spies, a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. What? What? Think about that. They're saying, the land just swallows people up. Like, really? Like, see what fear is doing to them? They, they're thinking like, yeah, the land is, is swallowing people whole. Have you ever seen that or heard of that? Just walking along in the park and all of a sudden somebody's just swallowed up whole and then missing person report. I mean, you see how, how, how fear, what fear is doing to them? And we read on. And all the people, oh, Really? All the people, like the babies too, like says, watch. All the, baby, all the people we saw are of great size. Oh, so the babies and the toddlers, they're like 200-pound babies and 400-pound toddlers. Really, like that's what it's like here. And so it says, are of great size. They were huge. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked like grasshoppers are the same to them. Now think about that. How exaggerating what fear does to you. They're saying that, that this is what they're saying that they looked at us like we were grasshoppers. I mean, there's a little difference in height, but they're saying like grasshoppers, like, like, they're go, like the people are, and they're going like, oh, really, look at the, hey, hey, look, look, at the, look at the children of Israel. They're like, they're like, they're, they're like, they're like grasshoppers. Look, 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 this is, this is grasshoppers. I, they're, they're so exaggerating here what's going on. And so they process the information through fear, causes them to exaggerate everything here. And so what they did is they took things that were normal, and fear makes them abnormal. Have you noticed? Fear blows them up so that they're just abnormal. And that's the dynamic that was happening here. And so they're, they're exaggerating here. And here's what happens. When fear rules over you, here's what happens. Watch. They're defeated before they even begin the journey, before they ever step into the promised land, they're already defeated by their fear. And so we see what's happening. And so, and they have, a, they have a, accepted a lower reality of themselves. Oh, we're just like, we're like little peon grasshoppers. And that's how they see us. And that's how we look at them. So this reality, they're so distorted. And what happens is their fears are beginning to paralyze them. Isn't that what happens to you? Tell me that's not the truth. Is it your fears paralyze you? And so I think one of the best things we can do in this situation, this is point number two, it's faith that goes beyond, is that you face your fears. You face your fears 
rather than run from them. So I want to talk about a couple potential fears we have about our new land, about entering the new land there. I think one of our potential fears could be this, could be, are we spending too much money on the new campus? Are we going to spend too much on the new campus? Well, for starters, 4.5 acres, prime property in Ukaipa, a 20,000 square foot steel building that sold for 2 million years ago, that 25 years ago sold for more than the asking price today, and we got it for 600,000. We're not spending too much. I mean, just look at the reality or um, uh, realtor.com, Ukaipa. Homes in Ukaipa, like four and five bed homes, nice homes cost that much or more, like for a home. This is a home because it's going to be potentially for a couple thousand people down the road. So 600,000, like we are not spending too much money. And so, but what about the cost of construction? A couple million. I just want to give a little perspective there too, a little perspective. A little perspective. Beaumont High School, Beaumont High School, 200 million for Beaumont High School to educate minds. We're going to do way more than educate minds. This school is important, 200 million. Um, the, the casino up the freeway in Cabazon, 250 million. So people could just go and have fun and eat and gamble and, and all that. And so, oh, by the way, in Las Vegas, I, I drove there for 18 years to see my mom. And so, because my mom was in a mental hospital there. So for 18 years, I, I went there. And I see all these new hotels come up. They're like, if you look them up, they're like billions of dollars. Billion. Like the Wynn Hotel, $2.7 billion. So people can go and gamble and, and all that. Um, you look at uh, the Loma Linda Hospital in Loma Linda. That uh, addition they're doing to the hospital to help heal people, it's important, but $1.2 billion. $1.2 billion for the hospital addition there. Um, you look at uh, John F. Kennedy School in Los Angeles for 4,000 students, $450 billion. I mean, million, I'm sorry, million, million, sorry, million. I fast-forwarded, okay? I fast-forwarded, so just cut me some slack, will you? Just cut me some slack. What about Solomon's temple in Haggai chapter 1? God was getting upset with the people, and he spoke to the prophet, and the, and the prophet told the people, he says, hey, your priorities are, are off here. Like, you're spending all your money building your nice homes here, but what about God's temple that lies in ruins there? And so uh, Solomon's temple that was built, you can Google this. It's estimated that if it was to be done today, it would be $167 billion. Another estimate was $216 billion to rebuild the temple. And God said, watch, watch. God worked through David, a man after God's own heart, gave him explicit, exact directions how to build the temple. And the cost today would be at least $167 billion B dollars. So I'm talking, we're talking $2 million to remodel a 20,000 square foot building. Just, let's keep it in, um, in perspective there. And so God said, build my house. That was God's priority here. And so this is, so God is into, God really is into the priority of his house. So that's what we're doing is we're going to build God's house there. And so, but 
All that to say this, all that to say this, don't get messed up with all the numbers. Just recognize this here. Like a school educates people's minds and we, we need to do that. And hospitals heal their bodies and we need to do that. And casinos do what casinos do, all right? I, I had dinner at the casino last week and the buffet, it was great. But, but that, they, this, that's what they do. But watch, but watch. Churches build buildings to change people's lives that goes on for eternity. And there's no one else that is building churches except the church here and to bring the presence of Jesus into the community. That's what we're doing. And so, and we fill a void in the heart of the community that no one else can fill. And so that's why we're going to spend $2 million to redo the building, to help put broken people back together and to help marriages and to champion students and God's call upon their life. And so to be a premier church for children and young adults and families there and have great spaces for men and and women there and to pour out compassion upon the community there. 250,000 people are within 10 minutes of a church right off the community there. And so, friends, uh, another, another question or fear that we may have is this. Another question or fear we may have is this. Is that, what if we don't raise enough money for the project? What if we don't raise enough money to complete the project? Well, we've, we've, we've thought through this. We have a team of amazing leaders. The architect that is doing this, that has attended this church for probably 10 years, he's built 35 churches. So this is going to be like church number 36. In other words, been there, done that dozens and dozens of times. It's Ray Martinez. We have Steve Mason, who kind of is an overseer and pulling the team together. He's done this. Been there, done that, took a a dilapidated building in Redlands, 34,000 square feet, transformed it into a great house of God. He's already done everything we're going to do. We have veteran uh, engineers and, and, uh, and uh, veteran um, general contractor. Uh, one of our former elder, John Greenfield, is going to be overseeing our contractors. He helps build Loma Linda, the hospital, uh, the highest standards of building. We have him. He's a, he's a veteran and a pro. So we just got this amazing team that is together. And, so, and if our overhead costs uh, run such that, um, and our building costs run such that we can't like do the whole project and we'll phase the project, but we will do it. So what so big deal if we have to do phases, we'll just put some of our staff in like little dog houses they have on the outside there and that will be there. <laughs> We've been joking about that. Um, so, but if we need to, we'll phase the construction. No sweat. We will, we'll do this. And so wise leaders have contingencies and we have wise leaders. And so we're already thinking through all of those things. So we may have delay. Uh, if construction gets delayed, no big deal. We will still be in that building. We have a beautiful uh, ministry center that is ours. And so we can keep that as long as we want there. So, but my, my, I think the biggest giant would not be raising enough funding. The biggest giant, I think, would be not to step out and start trusting God. Because without faith... It's impossible to please him. So we are called in our faith to go beyond here. And so Corey Ten Boom said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And that's what we're doing here. And so, friends, let me just say this. To the core of the core of the core of my being, 
I know that I know that I know we can do this and we will do this. And so it's going to happen. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so number three, faith that goes beyond. And uh, faith that goes beyond trusts in God, trusts in God's power instead of our own resources. Remember the children of Israel, they forgot God's power. They forgot what God had done, and it wasn't that long ago. The, all these things, the, the ten plagues there, the release from the Pharaoh, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, and so they were slaves in Egypt here. And, and how is it that they could forget all of these things that God had done for them? And now they're on the threshold of the promised land, and they've forgotten all these amazing things because their, their focus then, their focus was not on God's power, God's promise. Their focus then is on, on themselves, and we're little grasshoppers and all that. And so now they're focusing on their own inadequacies, on their own insecurities. And so, see, when fear controls your life, here's what happens. The very best things that God has done in your life you tend to forget. The best that God can give you will be forgotten. And so when God brings you to a place where he wants you to go forward, we're going to see, and you don't go forward, what happened to them? But they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years because they wouldn't step into what God had given them. So after 40 years of wandering, then they're back on the edge of the promised land again there. And so because of their unwillingness, to trust God, to trust God's promise, to trust God's power now, and because they're focusing on themselves and their own inadequacies and their, their own resources, now they end up wandering in the desert. And I want to point out to you what happened here. Moses is dead, now Joshua's in charge. Joshua chapter nine, 1, verse 9 says this. The word of the Lord says, Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. And two words that we really need to zero in on. Don't be afraid. Okay, don't be discouraged. Because see, in a walk of faith, there is the, these two things. Fear and discouragement can derail you. Can derail you from God's best and derail you from God's plan. Fear and, oh, oh I'm just, I'm so discouraged. I just, I, oh, I, I can't do it anymore. See, and that's what happens. And so he says, look, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Those two words. And so, um, and so, I really believe that God wants to like declare these things over us, that we be a people, that you be a community, you be a family, you be a Christ follower, that fear and discouragement don't derail you from God's promise for your life there. And so because things can happen, I'm telling you, there's people in this room, things happen to you that so discourages you, that gets, into, just gets inside you, gets inside like it just penetrates your armor, gets into your soul, and then you begin to doubt yourself, doubt God's call upon your life when you want to keep going back to who God is and what God has called you to do. Be strong in him. Be courageous in him. And so, so what do the Israelites do? after they, 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 they had overcome these paralyzing parasites of fear and discouraging discouragement, what do they do here? Well, look at this. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, now what happens? By faith. By faith. See, now by faith they enter the promised land. Now by faith the walls of Jericho fall. Now they get it after 40 years 
of wandering here. Instead of being terrified, instead of being full of fear, instead of being discouraged by faith, they took a step toward the very thing they feared. And so faith is not faith unless it comes to expression. James says, show me, show me uh, your faith by your actions. In other words, faith comes to expression. Faith isn't faith if we just talk about it. See, faith takes risks. That's what we're doing. We're taking a bit of a risk. But faith acts. Faith trusts God here. And Hebrews eleven six, what we began with, without faith will never please God. Think about that. The rest of your life, without faith, you can't please God. Think about this. As a community, without us having faith, we will not please God. And so, we have these little envelopes. We wanted to give these to you so you could pray about them. You can uh, see them there. And so, uh, so these here, these commitment cards, we're going to do this on, on uh, December 8th. And uh, we just came up with some some, some ideas here of, of uh, and all, this is all we're asking you to do. That's all we're asking you to do. We're asking you to pray. We're asking you to, to pray and just ask God, God, what would you have me do? And like, and just obey God. Just, just try to hear God's voice and lean into that. So, uh, so we're giving this though, so you can have plenty of time, like weeks to, to pray about it and process it and just some creative stuff there about, um, uh, uh, about how to um, potentially do that. And so, the adventure is big. It takes big faith. Faith, then, that goes beyond here. And so you've heard it said it's not about equal uh, gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. And again, if you're new, we're not asking anything of you just to kind of hear the heartbeat of the church here. And so, um, but I just want to say that, that really there's nothing that is too small. There's nothing that is too small. And it's just, just let your faith come to expression here. And so if you feel like, no, it's too small, I'm just saying, no, it's not true. There, there's never a gift that is too small. Last weekend, I shared about, I shared about a, uh, a high school student that he, he, in his job, he, he uh, saw the building and he wanted to give to the, to the building. And I, I saw it was really cool, a high school student. And yesterday, I, I got sent some pictures, check this out, some, uh, some, uh, some kids here were doing a lemonade stand. And, uh, and they're working, uh, they're working Cala Mesa. They're working Cala Mesa there. And, uh, and so, and then, uh, next, and so here they are, and about six of them there selling lemonade. And they're giving the proceeds. They got their Go Beyond church. They're working the crowd with the lemonade there and all. And so, uh, <laughs> I love that. And so, and there's, there's one of their customers there, uh, making money, 50 cents. So, uh, and they're gonna, in, in a couple weeks, they're gonna bring their offering, uh, with us here. Go to the next, uh, one there. And so, yeah, right on. So go beyond. So anyway, so I love it that uh, that's a go beyond spirit that I'm talking about there.